clearly use of all fucking spraft, loads of shit on here. There's about a million messages. But all I have to say is this. Mane's on fire. Your defense is terrified. Mane's on fire. Your defense is terrified. Mane's on fire. Your defense is terrified. Mane's on fire. Na 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 Hi everybody and welcome to the seventh edition of the Copcast on Cop Left. We've managed to sort of bluff our way for seven weeks without any football to talk about. Finally we have a game to talk about and what a game to talk about. Joining me on the panel tonight, regular voices, regular faces, although I'm seeing their faces and not particularly pretty. You got you're sort of spared the luxury of that. First up, in order of ugliness. Hello Carly, how are you? <laughs> you're so predictable, Dave. I'm good, <laughs> yeah. thanks. Yeah, I'm certainly I lack originality. Oh, yeah. All good, all good. Nice weekend. Very happy. Yeah, can't complain after that weekend, really. No, you can't really. And then we have the the Neil dilemma next. Which one to go first? The chief. Uh, see, chief. Yeah. So, chief Neil Patterson is with us as well. How are you this evening, Neil? All good with you, my man? Yeah, great, great. Uh, brilliant game at the weekend. Just over the moon to have the football back again. So, uh, in top form, hopefully. Yep, indeed. And and Neil Devlin's with us as well. Up is it your second time, Neil? Or is it your third? I'm not sure. I I'm absent. Second. How are you anyhow? It's my second time. Second. It's great. It's it's uh, sunny here. It's almost like I'm in Brazil. You did. Is it thirty two degrees? Not quite. Uh, you're not in Brazil. <laughs> maybe maybe three point two degrees. <laughs> has, has Newton Abbey taken to wearing jumbo thong bikinis, no? <laughs> not not the women anyway. <laughs> oh well the men were always that way in Newton Abbey it's, uh, they used to have a problem that way anyhow moving swiftly along let's get into let's get into this game and 4-3 away from home at the Emirates again okay not the strongest Arsenal team in the world but let's face it three points at the Emirates who is going to complain about that we may have complaints about other areas of it but I will come to the chief first since he's the chief and <laughs> Your thoughts on it, Neil? I, I take it you're 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 happy enough with everything. And and what do you see in the game? What 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 positives are you taking out of it? And how excited are you for the season? I think before the game, all of us were were sort of cautiously optimistic, and I think we all had a you know a good feeling about the season. You know, you sit down and you start watching the game, and you know the first forty five. Well, watching it at the time, we didn't start particularly well. You know, uh, we looked a little bit lost in midfield times we were chasing shadows a little bit uh, in in the opening kind of 10 15 minutes but then we we got a hold on things we came back into the game a couple of hairy moments we had the penalty uh brilliancy from Mignolet then we concede what less than two minutes after that and from then on sort of the last 10 minutes of the first half you're, you're sort of thinking right we really need to get back into this we, we definitely need a goal here before half time because you can sort of see all those high hopes beginning to beginning to dip the the confidence kind of ebbing away slightly from from the crowd and from the people you're watching it with and uh, and yourself as well but then Coutinho steps up and scores a Suarez-esque free kick right in the you know postage stamp couldn't have placed it better 
And from then on, really, um, first 20 minutes of the second half, well, 15 minutes of the second half, even longer, yeah, 20, I'd say, we absolutely ripped Arsenal to shreds. I mean, they completely couldn't cope at all. And we were a different team. I mean, we we strangled the midfield in that opening part of the second half. We were pouncing on on all of them. Any any loose ball, any bad touch, uh, we were confident what we did. We were flooding the box when we got the chance, and to just put them to the sword like that and to score in such quick succession was was phenomenal. And okay, we uh, you know I think the manager alluded to it in his, his uh, post match interview that you know he got a bit carried away and we shouldn't have celebrated the fourth goal like we did, because it was only 63 minutes, 64 minutes. And, you know, the team paid paid a bit of a price for that. They switched off immediately and conceded the goal, and, and then we conceded from a set piece. But, I mean, I think, to be honest, that last 15 minutes, we controlled the game really, really well. Emery Chan had come on by that point, and he had made a, a noticeable difference to the midfield. Jordan Henderson was then allowed to, to play that further up. It took some of the pressure off him, and, you know, we were much more settled. So I think loads of positives to take. The goals we scored, the manner of them, the fact that you can see in our attacks uh, and the way that we press and, and spring on the counter, you can see Klopp's imprint quite clearly there. So that bodes well to score four goals away at the Emirates. That bodes well to win away without what I would say was without either of our first-choice centre-backs and without our first-choice goalkeeper and without our first-choice central midfielder in Emre Chan and without as they all say, a recognised striker on the pitch. I mean, it was, it was a fantastic game and a fantastic performance in the second half. We can pick it apart a wee bit, but I think for opening day, you couldn't really have asked for much more. And I think all of us are, are even more enthused now about the season to come and, and what could be in store for us. No, absolutely right. And and as you say, you know, for an opening day, we, we have a tendency, you know, last season aside, of fucking up the, the opening of the season and we're always tend to be playing catch-up in the early stages. And I know that the league's topsy-turvy in, in the early part of the season. And I'll, I'll come to Carly with, with this one. What was your thoughts? I know you'd spoken in the last one, Carly, I'd listened to, and, you know, you were impressed with Manny and his pace. This is the first I've actually seen the new signings actually play because I never saw any of the preseason. I thought Manny was absolutely awesome. The pace of this kid is, is immense. Um, your thoughts? First half, abysmal. First half was awful. And the last part, I was sort of pretty positive getting into the game, especially after we found out the kind of players that Arsenal were going to be missing. So I was pretty positive. Um, the first 20 minutes of the match, I just thought, oh, fuck, here we go again. You know, we have a really good opportunity to take three points here and we're not taking it. I think pretty much to a man in the first half, we were awful. We were totally outrunning the midfield, lethargic. And then one minute of absolute genius from Coutinho and then coming out the second half, we were a different team. I would say obviously Coutinho was man of the match deservedly, but second after that would have been Manly for me. Um, I just think this guy has the potential to be absolutely phenomenal for us. His pace is frightening. Um, on the wings, the pace we have on both wings now, um, with Reno down the left, Manny down the right, it could be pretty exciting. I think the game kind of reminded me a bit of that year we had with, we'll just call it the Rodgers year. It was, you're going to score two against us, we'll score three against you. I think to a certain extent that might be how this season is going to be. But as uh, Neil has already said there, we were without a few players ourselves. Um, some people maybe think Harris should have or would have started had he been fit. Possibly Sako or Matip as well. And then obviously Chan protecting the defence. So maybe if we had a few of those players back, we might not have conceded as many. 
But if that's what the first game of the season is going to be like, I think we're going to be in for one hell of a ride. Well, I have my own views on that, but I'll, I'll hold me, I'll hold, keep me powder dry just for now. I'll let, let Neil have a say on it. Neil, we scored some really, really, really beautiful goals in that game. And we'll, we'll get to the conceding in a moment, but you know, some of our forward play, for, taking the first half out, bar a minute of brilliance from, from Coutinho aside, it was a pretty poor gig, really. What were, what were your thoughts on, on our attacking side of things? Tagging second half, wonderful. First half, obviously, just didn't get going at all. The first half, just couldn't seem to get it out of our half, really. I'm sure that the attackers maybe would have been able to put in the exact same performance in the, <laughs> in the first half if the ball had ever come anywhere near them. The second half, yeah, I think I think we came out in the second half like we thought we would come out in the first half, which is completely blitzed them. It's kind of as Carly alluded to the Rogers year where we used to start and we'd blitz a team for 20 minutes and then the job was basically done and then just catch catch them on the counter if and when we needed to. Sometimes it didn't really work out. But the interchange, the, the playing without a, a recognised striker seems, seems to suit us, especially away from home. Firmino probably wasn't at his best, but you'll still get lots of people telling us what he does off the ball and all that crack. To me... He kind of he kind of looks a bit overweight or something. I don't know. Kind of looks a bit off it. I don't know if that's just me, but he, he was kind of pivotal to what we, we were doing as well because he's kind of taken defenders away and everything. So I can see why he's in the team. And then everything just sort of linked up. Ronaldo finally got going in the first half. I you could have been forgiven for thinking he wasn't even on the on the field. But then the the ball around the corner and the chip into the box. It took composure. It took skill to do that. And then the the Lallana touch. If if Lallana could do that. Every week he'd be phenomenal, but it's the fact that he can't do it. I fully expected when he took it down to completely miss, but that's just going on the last two years of Lallana. But yeah, the, the second half, it gives you a lot to look forward to, but as I was saying to you guys in the WhatsApp group, if this is the sort of play that we're going to be playing, it's like it was in 13-14, I'm going to need to be carried around by October or so because I can't really take this. It's just too much on the heart, really. No, and I absolutely get that. And you know, if if I look at it, it's it's more or less, you know, four one. That game should have been dead. We should have been, you know, we should have been just shutting it down and taking complete and utter control of it. We didn't. And for all the talk of of you know the, the changes that have been made at Liverpool, and they have been made a massive amount of change. It just sort of felt very much like a, a, a BR performance, if you know what I mean. You know, it's the 4-3. Um, we got ourselves into this great position and then slowly but surely got pegged back. Neil Patterson said, you know, that he felt we did well in the last 15 minutes. I was actually quite nervous. I always felt that Arsenal in those 15 minutes were the team more likely to score than we were. Now, albeit we had a couple of clear-cut chances, but I just felt that them at that stage were the ones who were going to score, that they were the ones who, who were pre- presenting the threat. And we've changed a, a, a lot of, well, not a lot of personnel, but a, a sufficient amount of personnel. And yet, okay, our back four is virtually unchanged. You know, Lovren's there, Klein's there, Moreno's there, and uh, um, Clavin, who I thought was excellent, is there. So there's not a great deal of change in the defence. We've got Mingle and goal, as, as we know, it's only a short-term thing. But it's, it's just a worry for these first few games for me. I know that this won't be a long-term problem. I know there, there's ring rust to be got rid of. And probably Bobby Firmino is probably about three stone heavier due to the amount of hair he has now. I think that's maybe where you're getting confused, Neil. But he, he looked a little off the pace. But again, as we said pre-pod, he, he does this at times. He goes missing in games. And then he'll come and have three or four or five maybe games. Excellent. And I think that during the course of this season, we won't be tested like that by many teams. Um, Arsenal are a really, really good team going forward. 
and Neil Patterson, for you, what what are your thoughts defensively? As to me, it just looked like Groundhog Day. Look, like there's not a great deal has changed here. There's not a great deal has gone on, to, uh, you know, since the days of of Rogers. It just seemed a little too deja vu. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can understand that because of you know the way we um, we did concede and the way we conceded that second straight after the the fourth, which kind of took a wee bit of the shine, if that's possible, off such a such an amazing goal. Because we literally can see thirty seconds later, and you know it, it all goes a bit quiet again, and it's a pretty poor goal to concede, and that client gets beaten all ends up far too easily. The shot comes in; it's a bobbly shot, Lovren. Yeah, the, the jokes have been made. He's proposing to somebody in the crowd. He goes down on one knee and deflects it right past Mignolet, and you can sort of question Mignolet's body shape, and others have. I've heard them, but. If you look at him, he's the ball's going the other side, and he's, he's it's a pretty routine save because the shot's been scuffed, but it comes off Lovren's right leg, I think, and, and deflects completely the other direction. And because it's so close to him, he can't get down to get it. Yeah, I mean, I think I made the point earlier that I, I personally don't feel that either Lovren or Clavin will be or are in, in the uh, starting back four. Injuries permitting, you know, with with no injuries, I think it's Matip and Sacco. And I think with Karius behind them, I think, and, and Emre in front of them, I think that makes a big, big difference. I mean, you're talking about basically the spine of our team was missing. I mean, we talk about Arsenal's injury and uh, injuries and they had them, but we, ours were just as stark. And it just possibly shows that we actually, our replacements are slightly better than, than Arsenal's. Perhaps you could say that. But going back to the last 15 minutes, I, I know exactly what you mean. Watching the game the first time, you, you were, I was panicking. You are panicking. You're sitting there going, shit, we've conceded two here. We were 4-1 up. It's 4-3. There's 15 minutes to go in this. I bet you would concede again here. But if you watch it back again, they they don't really create anything. There are no, They don't get the ball. There, there are no shots that Mignolet really has to deal with. Um, they're not peppering us. We're not penned in. And in fact, we have chances and you know, Coutinho gets that that hamstring. Luckily, it's cramp, but he he got that cramp. If he has he if he doesn't pull up going through there, then we make it five two, and maybe we're talking about six two or something like that, and maybe it's a totally different game. So whilst I can see what you're you're getting at there, and a lot of what we had seen before was there because we had similar players. I think that was just really due to bad luck and circumstance with injuries, and I think we'll be able to judge our defence much much better when the first choice back five are are in in place. No, and, and and that's fair to be honest with you, Neil. Uh, absolutely, it's fair. Now I'm going to come to Carly with this one because she will go into defence mode. Um, Moreno's taken pelters, rightly or wrongly. I'm just wondering what your opinion on him was in that game. He did give away the penalty. I thought he could have done better personally. Um, as for the rest of the goals, I think he was a little bit harshly treated. But to me, he's just a problem. This marauding left back and with more attacking prowess than, than he has defensive prowess. What's your thought? I know you're a fan, Carly. Defend him. Well, if everybody's slagging him off, they can all sit in my middle finger and swivel. <laughs> and, Charming. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I'm not blind to the problems that Moreno has. We all know what they are, but Klopp obviously likes him. I think I think everybody has to face that fact. He plays the way Klopp wants to play. He plays fast, counter-attacking football. So he suits Klopp's style of play. Everybody seems to be losing their shit over the game on Sunday. I don't think he was at fault for any of the goals. I mean, yes, the penalty. 
it was a clumsy tackle. Had he maybe been an inch quicker and faster, he would have cleared that ball. It possibly wouldn't have been a penalty. Um, but the whole shitstorm surrounding the first goal totally and utterly baffles me. I've watched the goal back a few times after the match on Twitter. We were in possession. I think Lalana was on the halfway line. We were attacking. Lalana lost possession. They then took the ball, ran the length of the pitch. I think there was a pass that Lovren could have got at before we got anywhere near Moreno's side of the pitch. And I actually think Moreno should be commended at how quickly he managed to get back. So for the first goal, I don't understand where this whole fume is that it's it's Moreno's fault. Um, I don't think he was at fault for any of the goals. But yes, he, he is prone to brain farts and, and rash tackles. They're fine whenever they come off, but... That is obviously an area of his game that needs improved. And Klopp must think that you know that he can work with him and he can improve him because really he hasn't dropped him. And as much as I am a fan of him, I can obviously point out the mistakes he has made and he has given Klopp plenty of opportunities to drop him and he hasn't. And as for this argument about Milner starting at left back, I don't understand what the difference is between Moreno and Milner. You know, they're saying Moreno's too good going forward and He's weak defensively, so they want to put basically a guy who plays on the right wing into left-back position, who, funnily enough, is going to be good going forward and slightly lack his defensive skills. So don't really see how putting Milner there is an improvement on Moreno. But yes, Moreno does need to improve his defensive skills. We all know that. We can probably say it everybody week. But I have have faith in Klopp. If he thinks there's something there that he can work with, change or improve, then I'm all for that. But I do think we need cover in that area. I know there's obviously Milner's probably really going to be a floater next year um, and just sort of provide cover where and when needed. But we do need cover in the left and right back positions. But I just think that the whole total fume about Moreno and Sunday is totally over the top and totally unjustified. So Moreno's a floater. We'll all agree on that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on, move on to Neil. Um, Neil Devlin. What I found really refreshing about this game was that afterwards nobody said, and Sturridge has to come back. We've seemed to have forgotten about him. We've seen, you know, all of the last two seasons, it's all been about, you know, he's injured, he's injured. You know, he's got to come back, how good we're going to be. There was none of that this time. And I think it could be a good thing for us, and I think it could be a damn good thing for Daniel Sturridge. What are you feeling there? I feel at the minute there's not really a place for Daniel Sturridge. It seems to be the whole transfer idea was to set the team up, as we were discussing before this, in a 4-3-3. And Daniel Sturridge really doesn't fit into the 4-3-3 mould. He, he likes playing in a 2 up front. Well, his be- he likes playing as a 1, but we all know that his best games come when he's playing alongside a partner. So everything in the minute is sort of geared towards not really needing Sturridge. Uh, I, would, I would class Sturridge as a luxury player at this stage. Klopp knows he's got class, knows he's got quality. Can trot him out for finals against Sevilla things like that. He can score wonderful goals. But if it's getting down and gritty, it's, what is it, Stoke on a Wednesday, a cold Wednesday night or whatever, I don't think Sturridge is your guy. Some people will probably get pelters for that because people think that he's fantastic and can do no wrong and he puts in all the effort. But you can see he doesn't put in the same effort as Origi does. He doesn't have the same strength as Origi does. and He doesn't, he doesn't to me, seem to have the same desire. Origi's up and coming and he seems to always be out there to prove something, whereas... Sturridge sort of gives the air of he's already made it. But then again, that could be in the past couple of years, we haven't had any competition for him, so you can get sort of complacent. So it's it's good that there's competition there. So 
even as I say, if it's in a four three three, it might give Daniel stories to kick up the arse to say, "Hey, I need to kick on even further here," and it might even bring to the next level. So it's looking it's looking bright. We've got Mane, we've got Firmino, we've got Coutinho. All those guys can score goals, so it's not like we're relying on any one player to score a goal, and that's that's the makings of a of a good team rather than focusing heavily on one player, a la like Crystal Palace buying Benteke or something like that. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Sturridge is, um, he's going to have to fight for his place. And, but I think uh, we're going to see a, sort of a range of formations this year as well. I think Klopp's alluded to it as well, that uh, whilst we're, we're set up to play 4-3-3 at the moment, what was the interview? He said he had a clear idea of how he wants to start the season up front, but that's only only for the start. And he's been very curious that we'll play different formations. I can see, you know, I can see him maybe even playing two up front. He has played the four four two diamond before, although he didn't use it very often, but he used it at Dortmund. And there might be a case, because I think you're right, um, Neil, I think it's just one striker and you're, you you want the blueprint for a Klopp striker. I mean, it is basically Origi. He, he's the kind of striker that the Klopp loves. He can play up front on his own. He will run the channels. He's big. He's strong. He can hold it up. He's an electric pace. He can finish. He bullies defenders. So I think in a one-striker system, RG is, is actually ahead of Sturridge in the pecking order. But I think we may see two strikers at different points. And I think Sturridge may be that kind of player where um, he is he, he is that good. He does have that, that much talent that he may just force his way in, into the team along the way. I mean, I think you're 100% right in that it, it only bodes well that we have this, this wealth of talent now and we're not relying on on storage to come back and save the day yeah it's i, th- I think when you say it's playing playing as a two i think that'll maybe come against you always hear about the the guys saying beat the draws i think it's yeah. simon brundish coming up with that beat the draws win the league i think for the games at home because last year we weren't very good at home against the smaller team so i think it's that's the time to trot out if, if what you're doing isn't working and that, that bank two banks of four are packed in there maybe bring story john give the the defense something else to think about that's the sort of that's where he can become key or if as we maybe make another final or something again where you maybe just change it up to what we were playing so keeps keeps the opposition guessing so there's there's definitely a place the only concern is then what happens with players like Danny Ings like it didn't sound good in the in the midweek where Klopp basically categorized him along with Balotelli and Benteke yeah yeah oh no but we need Danny Ingsy, we need Ingsy, he said at the end. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. I think against those, the dross or the, the, the lesser teams, the cannon fodder, we will uh, see us, expect to see us playing 10, 15 yards further up the pitch and really kind of squeezing them in and just battering them. And I can see us playing two strikers in, in that situation. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Carly, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on this one as well. Uh, do you think Sturridge is in danger of becoming the forgotten man or do you think it's maybe by design? I know he's had a knock, um, and there's there's questions. People on Twitter have been questioning how injured he is, and it's more about his mindset and so on. Do you think there's maybe a message being sent to him in here as well? Because there's certainly that I've seen that sentiment being put out on Twitter. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's definitely one uh, possible theory. I, I mean, Sturridge is a curious one from really from the start from when he signed for us. For if you look at his record the kind of connection that he should have with the fans or the fans should have with him is not there and it never has been. I mean, Manny signed for us, what, two months ago and, and there's already a song for him. I know it might sound stupid, but I mean, Sturridge has been quite a no, prolific striker for us. Pardon? 
That's a, you're making a valid point. Yeah, you yeah. do have it. And, and it's been mentioned many times before, Carly, about the fact there is very little sort of love from our fan base towards Daniel Sturridge. And a lot of people put that down to his persona or the persona he portrays, which apparently is not really him. Yeah, he does come across as very confident and sometimes borderline and on cocky. Now, obviously, I've never met the guy. I don't think any of you guys have either. And he, he could be a totally different person, but that's just his persona that he gives off so it, it could be maybe a lesson to him wake up call say you know what we actually don't need you not necessarily something we don't need you but do we have other goals now in the team that maybe seasons before that we were lacking we were totally reliant on him but really as a fan that's just a positive to me if, if we can get as many goals as we did um on sunday without actually having a striker as such on the pitch then that then that can be a good thing um we have obviously Rigi and then Ings and then well Balotelli and Benteke and wait and see what's going to happen with them but I mean for me it's a good thing I, there will be a time and place to use him um, I just hope that the toys don't come out of the pram you know if he's not going to be starting every game if it is going to be 20 minutes here or there to come on and make an impact I hope that he's happy enough with that because I mean I think his contract is running down it's only maybe one or two years left on it and obviously we all know about his injury, so it's, it's the storage is really a wait and see thing. It can change week to week depending on, on what the injuries are like. So it it's hard it's really hard to comment on him because it does change so frequently. Do you feel that um the fact that he can come you know the way he comes back from injury there and he, he's straight away scoring, he's straight into the team, he's straight into the game. Do you think of that plays into Klopp's mentality in regards to Sturridge? You know, that he can throw him on at any stage of a game. He doesn't need the, all that game time to you know to hit top form and to score goals. Do you think that plays into it somewhere, Carly? I would certainly say it's a positive. No, Klopp knowing that, you know, even if he is out injured or he hasn't played in a while, if you give him 20 minutes, you, you know, there's a fair chance that he's going to score for you. So it's certainly a positive for us to have him um, in any capacity. But it's definitely a plus that, you know, he has that in, in his game and we need to use it to our advantage. Well, I think there'll be a, there'll be a place for Sturridge this, this term, no matter what happens. I think even if he starts by not, by not being in the team, I think... You know, Klopp is uh, he's not stupid. He knows his talent. And I think it's up to Sturridge when he gets his chance, because he will get a chance, there's no doubt, to make Klopp kind of sit up and take note and go, right, OK, we should really try and get this guy uh, in the first 11. And he has the talent to do that. I mean, there's stupid stats about, oh, I say stupid, I mean, because they sort of blow your mind a bit about how, actually, uh, how important he actually is and has been to Liverpool during his time. With the club, the, the number of points we get when he starts compared to the number of points we get when he doesn't and, and so on and so forth. And the, the difference is pretty, pretty fucking stark. So when that chance comes, he just has to take it. And, you know, I think it, it's good. I think it's it's only going to be good. I think the competition with Suarez really pushed him onto that next level because he was a good striker before we signed him. And he'd shown in flashes that he could uh, put runs together, but nothing like the numbers that, that he, he returned for us. And that he still returns for us, actually. I mean, even last season, he hardly played. But I think he still managed to goal every two games uh, that he played. Uh, you know, um, So he's going to get that chance and, and he just has to take it and sort of force the manager's hand a bit. No, and I hear him what you're saying there. You, you know, he, he unfortunately the, the stat that supersedes everything is the injury stat. And you know, if you have a fit Daniel Sturridge, it's been said in podcasts for every podcast I think I've ever listened to in Liverpool. If we only had Daniel Sturridge fit for a prolonged period of time, what a difference it would make. But listen, I want to move on to another one of the new guys, uh, Wijnaldum, who I thought was absolutely excellent, especially second half. 
the guy certainly puts himself about. Uh, I'll come to Neil Devil on this one. What, what are your thoughts on this? The first time I saw him, Neil, very, very impressed. First half, as you say, was kind of anonymous completely. Forgot he was even on the pitch. Uh, but then, but yeah, there again, who, who, who came away with that first half with any kind of glory? Bar Phil and the, the kick. And that was the only thing that you could take positive out of that first half, really. Yeah, my struggle is that I haven't seen too much of him. Uh, I've got I've got a, a friend who's a Newcastle fan for his sins for him, uh, and he says he's he's a very very hot and cold player. Uh, he generally can do it at home, but not really do it anywhere else. And he said and he said to me after the first half on Sunday, he said, "Looks like he bought the bad Wijnaldum and left the good one." And at Tyneside, but yeah, in the second half, completely different player. It's he seems to be a confidence player, so. When it's just clicking for him, he goes through the motions and it works. When he has a bit too much time to think about things, I think that's when it kind of goes all awry. I think it was the first half where the ball came back out to him on the edge of the box and he kind of just sort of breathed it towards the net. I think I think he's that type of player when he's got yeah. too much time to think about it, it kind of goes tits up. But yeah, in the second half, he was at the centre of everything. He He was basically... What made the, well the ball right the corner for the se- second goal, but the ball in that that's not an easy skill. Most players, Lalana included, would probably be shooting from there. So to look up, see see the run and then hit it in. And even if he didn't hit Lalana, it was a, it was one of those balls playing by the numbers really because he hit it in there. If Lalana wasn't getting it, I think it was Klein or somebody else coming in at the back post as well. They were definitely going to get it. So he he hit he hit it in with knowing that if you put it in that area, something was bound to happen, which is t- definitely the type of player we need. Sometimes last season, I think we were a bit too, a bit like Arsenal trying to walk it into the net. It was had to, Everything had to be precise, and that's kind of the way, the way we were in the first half too. We kept losing the ball because we kept trying to be very specific with our passes and where we were going, and it just ended up not coming off. But he kind of spearheaded in the second half that sort of notion that just, just get down and get it done. And paid off. Charlie, for you, what were your thoughts on him? Um, similar to Neil's. And obviously, we can't really take a first half as a measure. I'm, I'm, I'm solely asking the question based on the second half. Yeah, well, I think it's fair to say all the Newcastle fans must have had their phones out because I got a few text messages at halftime as well from Newcastle fans uh, taking the piss out of us. First half, I think the whole team obviously was anonymous. I, I, I put it this way, I wouldn't rave about him at the minute. I think he did okay. But he, he hasn't set the world alight. I mean, same as what Neil's been told, he can be very hot and cold. And I sort of got that from from the game. You know, one minute he could produce something quite quite good, quite really good pass, really good ball. Um, I know he got an assist. And then for a long period of time, he seemed to, to go anonymous again. So um, I need to see a bit more of him. But it certainly wouldn't really have any ne- anything negative to say about him. But I'm not raving about him just yet. And Chief, your thoughts? Would you agree with the other two, or, or do you have something different? Um, I suppose similar. I mean, I think he was feeling his way in. Obviously, it was his, his Liverpool debut. You know, a competitive, competitive debut. And I think, like we've all said, everyone said there was a malaise in that first half, a lack of confidence, maybe throughout the team. And he he suffered for that. I mean, I don't think he was any worse than anyone. But as you say, nobody came out of that first half with with too much too much to shout about. But what I will say about him is that, you know, he's been signed as a box-to-box midfielder and he, he hits the box. You know, there's several occasions, four or five occasions, where he's making that late run and arriving in the box. And, you know, that's really what we've been missing. 
uh, in in recent times, and that's something the club really wanted to, to bring in. Uh, and if you, if you look back at the game, every time we break, every time we were in a threatening position, we've got four or five players hitting the box, arriving in the box, all in, in different positions, intelligently placed to make those kinds of uh, passes that Nate was talking about there all, all the year. Because they're, you know, if you know that your teammate is going to be making this run and another teammate's going to be making that run, your options are are, are well, you have far more option for more many options i don't know how the fuck they phrase that but you've got more options put it like that and you know what to do you don't have to be 100 percent precise and you know that also that that split second of composure when you are about to make that final pass that that's key i mean that was a a, a, a factor of of dortmund's great play over the years when, when Klopp was there it still is now but when Klopp was there especially when when they break in behind, the man on the ball who plays the final pass just takes that second and makes the right pass. Just thinks about it for a second. Fewer blind crosses, fewer of the just kind of hitting it and hoping and, and, and expecting somebody to be there even. Just just a little bit of common sense, just a, that second of composure where you just stop and put it exactly where it should go. And it's a brilliant second goal. We start that second half in the ascendancy, of course, after the free kick, but to score three minutes in, well, that sets the tone for the entire what's to come and, and how it all works. And Wijnaldum is is key to that. He's integral in that in that move. And I hope that we see more hot than cold. But, you know, early signs are encouraging. He's, he hits the box. He gets an assist. He has a couple of efforts, albeit, albeit tame enough. But um, I think he, he, he did everything that was kind of expected of him on his, on his debut. Uh, the point, the last point I make about him is I don't think he's a central midfielder though, and people have said that to me as well. My Newcastle friend said it, heard it on Twitter as well. For me, I don't think he is because I think in the second half he played with a bit more freedom and wasn't really doing the central midfield job, and I think that's where it all started to click. It's kind of, it's kind of in the first half he just didn't know whether he he wanted to go forward or stay back, and ended up doing neither. So for me, I don't think. I think we still need another central midfielder. I just think it's his speciality, really. If he's box to box, sure, but box to box often gets caught upfield and then isn't really per se doing the central midfield job. So, yeah, I think Henderson and Wijnaldum in a two there. I think we really suffered that in in the first half. I think um, those two both kind of being box to box, and and they did get caught upfield and, and out of position on a, on a a number of occasions. The midfield just didn't really function at all, did it? Yeah, it, c- it could be when once they play a bit more together, they'll they'll know when to go and when to stay. Hopefully, because I think that's the way Klopp sees it. I think Klopp sees Ronaldo, Can, and Hendo as the three in the middle, so they need to start clicking basically. But for me, I think I think Ronaldo, from what I've seen. Just different videos and stuff of him. He does seem to be play better forward, and I, I just hope that we don't waste him at central midfield because I wouldn't want him to be considered a flop or something if he's just playing where he shouldn't really be playing. Do you know what I mean? I, I hope that you're both right. You know what I mean? And and you know, I know that we spoke before the pod, pre-pod, that we didn't see him as maybe a, a starter in, in the first eleven in Klopp's plans, but a very useful part in the puzzle. But another question, I'm, I'll stick with you, Devlin, on this one. What do you feel was the change at halftime? Um, I, I personally speaking, I don't think it was the Coutinho goal that changed things. I think that Klopp basically chewed the nuts off them whenever they went in there, and and that's what we saw the effect of in the second half. What, what would your thoughts be in around that? 
I think it, it, it just came down to intensity, didn't it? There was that, as I said earlier, we, we started the second half like we expected that we, we should have started the first half. Yep. Go go yep. at them. I think I think probably what Cop would have said to them at halftime is, look, they've been all over you and it's 1-1, so clearly these guys are here for the taking. Get get the finger out, basically. And it's, as I say earlier, they sort of changed the mindset of trying the, the fancy 100% dead-on passes and they just sort of got down and got on with it. It's like with the Manny goal, the, Ma- the Manny goal is just... To chip into space, Manny runs into space and then completely blitzes two defenders and scores. In the first half, we weren't playing those balls. We were trying to play out from the back and then got caught in the halfway line conceding a goal, basically. So I think that's what changed. It was more playing by the numbers in the second half than in the first half. No, I hear you on that one. And Carly, for you, what would your thoughts be on it? There was a remarkable change. I can't see Jurgen Klopp, knowing as much as we do about him, I can't see him being a happy bunny at halftime in there. I can't see the Coutinho goal changing his halftime speech very much. I would say they got a rocket. I would say the Coutinho goal maybe helped lift their heads a little bit more. I don't know if they would have went in with their heads down, but I say to all of us watching, they just looked lethargic. They were totally outrun the midfield. It just was not the start we were expecting. I think maybe Klopp gives them a bit more confidence in themselves. He might have obviously said whether he put a rocket up their ass or how he tends to work, but something obviously lifted their heads. And, you know, when we were talking earlier as well about the game, Remnant sort of making us think of the Rodgers year. I mean, had this been a game in the Rodgers year, I think we probably would have went on to lose the game. I think our heads would have dropped, you know, after their second or third goal went in. Whereas this time... Our heads didn't drop. We were still trying to attack. We were we were going for the fifth goal. Um, so I think from from that point of view, Klopp certainly brings a lot of confidence to the players, and he obviously gives that to them. Um, so I, I think maybe it would have been more than more of that than maybe a rocket up the ass. Although I would have certainly liked to give them a rocket up the ass after the first half because I was worried that we had this brilliant opportunity to start off great the Emirates, and we were about to blow it. You make a really good point there. Neil, are you wanting to jump in? Yeah, uh, well, just when you mentioned the Rodgers era, era, the first half kind of at one stage was reminding me, remember when was it 4-0 we lost at the Emirates? It was kind of going that way at one stage. And everything was just Arsenal, 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 just peltering it. Uh, and I'd say maybe if they had better players on the pitch at the time, they maybe would have peltered us. But I, th- I think when we were talking earlier about the being shitting ourselves in the last 15 minutes and stuff as well I think that's us as fans we're kind of we're still struck by the Rogers era back in the Rogers era we would have conceded again even last year we would have conceded again and maybe even lost the game and as uh, Neil Patterson said um, we weren't really challenged in the last 15 minutes nothing really happened in the last 15 minutes it's kind of, and that's kind of the players need to wake up and realize that it's not all that bad, as well as the fans. It's kind of a two-way thing. We're both as nervous as each other, and when the maybe when the players wake up, and this result goes a long way to that, then we'll maybe become a bit more confident. It's like last year when we beat Dortmund. Klopp said, Klopp was saying, "Well, this is what you get when you when you play to the last last minute, to the last whistle. These things can happen, and it's the turning the doubters into believers thing all over again. So it's maybe just translating on the pitch as well, because the players didn't really look that panicked, even when it was 4-3. So hopefully this is the marker, then they can get over the hump. Years gone by, games gone by, we would have lost this game, but this today, or not even today, Sunday, we didn't. So maybe that's it's changing the guard, really. 
No, and I think you have a point on that one. You, you know, we did look, even the, as you say, at the end of last season, we, we had looked like we'd turn the corner of fear, so to speak. So I'll ask Neil Patterson this one. Do, do you consider the first half of that game on Sunday to be just shaking off ring rust? And do you expect us to see more of the second half type of play going forward? Maybe, I guess, Burnley this week. Is that what you expect to see us starting us? Yeah, I would expect to see us starting very, very confidently against Burnley. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Origi or, or Sturridge start. And like I said earlier, I would expect us to play 10 yards further up the pitch and really squeeze them, really press them high when they're coming out of their defence and uh, try to, to just blitz them. And if we if we can manage that, if we can nick the ball back and, and, and hit them with that, that pace and accuracy on the counter-attack, we'll destroy them. And I'm hoping to see quite a lot of that at home this year, especially against the the bottom half teams. I think we'll we'll have the fear, like you said, uh, Dave. Sorry, Arsenal injuries or no injuries, they're still a very very good team. They've an array of attacking talent. They're very strong in midfield, and they'll be in the top five or six. There's no doubt about that. So they're going to be our direct rivals. So to get that win was was really important, but. The point is we're not going to face as many of those games this year as we are against the, the Burnleys and the Hulls and West Broms and the Crystal Palaces and so on and so forth. So it's not going to do to just... We we have to find a way, shall we say, of, of putting them to, to the sword. And we found that way in 13-14, in, in the, the Rogers season, and it was by blitzing them. It was by squeezing them, choking them, playing two strikers, and absolutely destroying them, uh, taking our chances when we could, as and when we could, and scoring early goals. And I expect to see a very confident performance against Burnley. I would be very surprised and very disappointed to see anything like that first half in in the Burnley game. I think we'll set up slightly differently, and I think the attitude will be will be completely different in that game. And so it should be, because the first half we were a little bit tentative and a little bit fearful, and it's understandable in the first first game of the season. A lot of players making debuts. but Especially with the Emirates as well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But we don't have those excuses anymore. None of the players do. So um, I'm really hoping and expecting this. A really improved performance, much more like the second half, much more confident and uh, much more lethal. No, and for you, Carly, what 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 are your hopes um, for Burnley? What do you do? You think we, that, as I said, the nail that's ring ring rust that first uh, that first forty five minutes, and now this is the Liverpool we can expect to see more often. Don't get me wrong; we're going to have bad games. Of course, we are over the course of the season, but the, you know, the majority of times we're going to see this this high press and ultra attacking team. Yeah, well, I'm I'm feeling pretty positive for the weekend. I mean, obviously, everything from Sunday is being judged in the second half because the first half was so bad. So. I am feeling confident. Um, the only thing that maybe scares me from Sunday as well is how quickly that we can go from amazing to shite and back to amazing again. It seemed to change quite quickly on Sunday. You know, we had 20 minutes where we could have literally had six or seven um, and then we concede a couple. So that does worry me slightly, but we only have a league to focus on this year. So there's absolutely no excuse not to be going out each week and blitzing these teams. We have the personnel there to do it, and it will be interesting to see if there's any changes for Sunday. See if maybe he will uh, maybe drop money Alden and bring Chan back in to protect the defence a bit more. Because um, I would say that's probably what he's going to try to go for for the rest of the season. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what uh, extra changes are made, sort of 
going from the, the end of pre-season into starting the season off, trying to get the team that he wants to play week in, week out. So it'll be interesting to see how gradually that's done too. We're used to, as you rightly say, we're used to this. You were brilliant, then we're shit. We're brilliant. And I think that that is the area this season that we really want to see the improvement and we really want to see the change and that we're not that fragile and weak at times. And I know there's that as well, but, (laughs) you know, we're facing a Burnley team who apparently, according to Neil, has just put into the group that DeFore has signed for Burnley today and he's a midfielder. I edited uh, the Cop Tables pod there last night. Apparently that's the first midfielder they've bought, I think, 1920 or something. There's some special day or something to have. I was uh, the, the Burnley supporter on there, so uh, that's big news for them. They lost Joey Barton as well. What, what's your feelings for the weekend, Neil? I'm not sure. It's kind of like what you said. <laughs> We're so used to Liverpool putting in these great results and then putting in shit results. It happened in pre-season as well, the Barcelona 4-0, and then we lost 4-0. It's kind of like hot, cold, Jekyll Hyde. I really don't know. Hope it, it is away because, yeah, our first three are away, aren't they? Our last three that were played prior to start, well, include the two friendlies in that week, we scored eight and conceded seven. So we're one up then? <laughs> <laughs> one up on aggregate? Liverpool love the average. Well, it's just, it's just that, that, it's just that little worry that. Don't get me wrong, I'm happy, but it's just that little niggle in the back of my head because we're Liverpool and we fuck things up like this, and it's just a worry. Yeah, I'm worried too because, as, as I said last time I was on the pod, we we still need a central midfielder and we still need a fullback. Whatever you think of Moreno, whatever Moreno gets uh, injured this week in training, who who are we playing? That's my point. So. That that's what worries me. Going week to week until we plug those gaps, I I I can never be fully confident going into the game. But we should beat Burnley, and Burnley are coming up. And on, at the weekend, they looked very very average. Actually, they looked looked below average. They looked like they were just going to go back down like a stone. Yeah, they looked poor, like didn't they? Yeah. But but then they're facing Liverpool, and you know what that effect has on some of these smaller teams. Yeah, it's like the everybody's at the Olympics effect. <laughs> mm. Um. Yeah, They're, they can't be as bad as they were at the weekend. That's the thing. And I'd say, even though Defer saying that he's probably not going to, he's not going to start. I would imagine anyway, and his stars kind of fallen a bit too. So yeah, I, I'm confident, but I'm not hundred percent. I can't say that we're we're going to win the game. But if we don't, you don't really want to be on Twitter if we don't. Basically, if we don't win that one. I mean, that'll be really. Um... Be really gotten wounded. That'll be a bit. That'll when you're talking about same old story, Dave. At the beginning, I mean, that really would be a case of same old story. Go to the Emirates and win, Definitely. and then go to Burnley and, and slip up. The only thing is, I I would have took a draw at Arsenal. So if you kind of moving into this game now with a bit of pressure off, because you have three points in the bag already, so it might give the players a bit more freedom and be a bit more less tense. If we had a drew or even lost at the Emirates, we probably would end up this game breaking it. Yeah, you're right. But where are we? Where we are right now at this moment in time, surely, is you know we should be looking at Burnley and going, Homer away, that's three points. We've moved on so far. Like let's feel, we were in the final of the Europa League last year. Um, we did had that game against Dortmund. We shown we can rub shoulders against the best of them. We should be going into that game with confidence, and yet still we're like, oh shit, we're Liverpool. You know we could lose. This is <laughs> this is what we do. And just how much of a factor is that? That we need to get over this season, but for me, it's the it's the number one concern is being able to being able to string these results together. I think the last time we put together a really good string of results was during the thirteen fourteen season, and I think it's paramount, especially at the early part of the season. And I'm just curious to see anybody can show up in on this one. What your thoughts are on that? 
No, it's a. Uh, I think at the start of the season, it's pivotal to get points on the board. Uh, we showed that in 13-14. 13-14 was all on the basis of the fact that the first few games got the points on the board, a couple of one 0 wins and things like that. That that gets you gets you rolling, gets the ball rolling, takes the pressure off, and then around about Christmas, you can maybe start thinking about titles and things like that. But if you get a good start, then you don't have to worry so much, and the team starts to play a bit more free. Things don't matter as much, and generally the football comes. Whereas if you start off, was it last season or the season before, terrible results, you're always playing catch-up. You feel like you're always playing catch-up, and it does bode well for the rest of the season, really. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, that the 13-14 was a, was a snowball effect built from the confidence gained from getting those few wins at the beginning. Uh, it was our best start of the season in the ages. We beat Man United as well. And... I think I was going to say the last, I mean, that was the run in 13 14, the 13 14 season. That was the last time I confidently bet on Liverpool to win games because, you know, if you ever have a bet, like you tend to have rules like not betting on your own team and shit like that. But, uh, and Liverpool have been so good at, at letting you down over the years just when you think they've turned a corner that, uh, you know, I learned from that. But that was the last time that I confidently bet on them. And, and I think that, you know, the same thing would, would happen this year in, in the sense of you're talking about fans and, and us getting over the the, the, the fear of, of going away to Burnley and not getting a result because of what's come before. And I think we had that fear in 13-14 as well, but it dissipated as the results kept coming. And I think that's the only way to do it. I mean, the, the, the team, obviously, they have to be over that. They, they're new players and whatever. Anyway, they, they have to have a, a winning mentality and be confident and believe. But if, if they do string three, four wins together in the, in the, say, three in the first five they win or four in the first six, you know, the fans we begin to believe. And we that saw, fear. We saw what it did to, to Leicester last season also. They had a brilliant start of the season and they never looked back. Exactly. And they just kept it going. And sometimes, you know, if you're the front runner, if you can get those points on the board, it just breeds confidence. And there's a big, big factor in football of the day. And it's probably always been there, but I think it's more pronounced now in the sort of consumer model of football that we have now of negativity, negativity from the crowd translating onto the pitch and into the player and, and all the rest of it. And it's all about getting things rolling in the right direction, getting positive results, getting a positive feeling, letting that then bounce back and um, and affect the players rather than the, the negativity affecting the players. And, you can get it on a run like that, then then they, they work in tandem. You know, the, the players help the crowd and the crowd help the players, and that's how it should be. That's sort of the perfect the perfect mix. So yeah, um, short answer: results are, are going to help us get over that those fears. And Carly, anything to add? Yeah, Neil made a very good point there. Um, you know about the get good run of results, not only giving the players confidence but giving the fans confidence. I mean, he sort of touched on it there in this day of like social media and. So many TV programs being devoted to football, you know, it's easy for negativity to sort of snowball, um, not only around the player, but around the team. So, I mean, we've got a few new signings this season. So if we can get a few good runs together, then it's going to help them. So help them settle into the team, help the fans maybe warm to them, um, just generally create a good atmosphere. So I really do hope there's a good, a good run of games coming back to Anfield because... It's been well documented about how bad the atmosphere has been inside the ground. So I'm really hoping that this will be the year where things start to change. 
No, and um, you know, we talk about the team being fragile, but us as fans have been fragile for a lot of too many years that I can remember. Um, and it always seems to be there's just a disaster around the corner. And you just want to, you just want this season to be the season without the disaster around the corner, without all the drama. Just, just a nice steady campaign. I would, I would settle for. And I think that. You know, looking at that team, there's a team that can do a lot of damage. We can certainly beat the Dross. And I think if we're sitting in that top four around Christmas time and still in touch around Christmas time, this could be a decent season for us. Uh, anybody want to comment? Yeah, I think if we're still in it around Christmas, that's when all the fixtures start to ramp up for everybody else. That's when Man United's Europa League is probably going to start kicking into action when Spurs and Champions League, if they get through, I imagine they will. City might just start to be clicking at that stage. Although they're five 0 up right now, <laughs> so that's clicking. But yeah, they're clicked. <laughs> yeah, well, style aren't much, but they'll be starting to hit the hit the wall as well. Aguero might be injured since Aguero falls off, so the rest of the team fucking nosedives. So yeah, in around Christmas, if we're still there thereabouts, it's what happened in thirteen fourteen as well. Everybody else's fixtures clogs up, whereas last year we were. Klopp came in in October or whatever and then everything just sort of snowballed into fixture after fixture after fixture which this year is not going to happen I would actually take maybe even just going out of the League Cup maybe a bit early this year or the FA Cup whichever one it is just to get get out of having fixtures every week or whatever it is maybe focus on one of those trophies just to get a trophy under your belt maybe maybe the League Cup or the FA Cup I wouldn't go for both I think the lack of fixtures will do will do as well. It seemed to do Leicester well last year. The only my only concern is that Chelsea aren't in Europe either, so they don't really have that many fixtures. And there's a lot there's a lot of people vying for that top four. So yeah, the fix, fixtures is probably our greatest our greatest chance at top four. But I do have my concerns. No, I hear you, and, and, and you, stole my, you stole my last question, actually, Neil, so you've answered it. I'll go about the other two. You know, how, just how seriously do you see us taking uh, the domestic competitions this season, or do you think it's all in the league? Um, do you think that those league, or the League Cup and, and the FA Cup will be, the, you know, the players who are on the fringes are not getting a full game every week. Do you think that's where they'll come to the fore? And I'll come to Carly first. For me, the Cups are important. If you're in a Cup, you're in it to win it, so... That, that's what I expect or want us to do. Um, certainly at the start, the first few fixtures, that will probably be, like you said, you know, when the fringe players will come in and get some game time, which, you know, doesn't really have that much of an effect on the, on the first 11. So especially sort of coming from someone who tries to go to games, it's a doubt at Wembley, do you know what I mean, when they get the semi-final or a final. So that's a big thing for fans. So from that perspective, I wouldn't dismiss them or write them off. Say if we're if we're in a cup competition, I expect us to go for it and I expect us to win it. So they are important to me and I know they're important to, to a lot of other people. Though I do obviously see what Neil's saying. You know, I think this year was especially bad when Klopp came in the, the, the build up of fixtures around Christmas and the New Year. It was it was ridiculous. But um, no, I definitely want us to be going for them. No, we exist to win trophies, as as the the saying goes. And chief yourself, you know, no one, you know, Klopp a little bit better probably than the rest of us. I, I can't see him being a man not to take a cup seriously, regardless of what we may think. I think you'll find Jurgen Klopp will number one. He doesn't need a trophy. I think Jurgen Klopp would love to have a trophy, um, just to take that sort of monkey off his back, if you will, to take that pressure. At least he's delivered and it allows him to get on with the, with his, his his plan, which is something that's going to last years, not just a few months. Would you agree? No, I think you're 100% right, Dave. I think uh, 
he'll want to win a trophy. He'll want to win every game that we're in for. Um, I think if he had a choice, he'd, prefer, he'd focus more on the FA Cup. But it's again, it's the whole thing. Winning breeds confidence, and you know when you're winning games, you want to play, and and you can't wait. To, you know everything that that's always said, but it's true. For me, Spurs, for example, last year they they completely prioritised the league, and they threw the towel in, literally almost threw the towel in in the uh, in the Europa League by playing a second string team against Dortmund, and they were embarrassed by it, and you know they dropped off in the league, and they ended up finishing what fourth. Was it third or fourth? They they dropped off massively anyway. They got nowhere near winning the league in the end. And I, you know, you can argue it's pretty intangible whether it had an effect or not. But when you get your ass handed to you, essentially, it's not good for your confidence. So it's a few extra games. The FA Cup doesn't really start till January. And as long as you're not as long as you're not involved in 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 too many uh, replays, yeah, you're right, Neil. Third, they were Spurs. Sorry about that. Um, but they still dropped off massively, was my point. So as long as you're not getting into too many replays and things like that, and then you do start having fixture congestion and, and, and midweek games and stuff, then I don't see a problem in going for certainly the FA Cup. But I'm sure you know what he says. He, he wants to win every game he's in. The squad will get used uh, in, the, in the Cups, there's no doubt. Uh, you have to keep players happy because... Like he says, there won't be that much rotation this year in the first team. So, who are consistently on the bench are going to want to get a start, and he will use them in the cups. But we've got a strong enough first team squad, strong enough kind of 16, 17, 18 there to really have a good go. And you never know in the cups because some teams don't take it seriously, or or, or even the sort of lesser Premier League teams in in the last few years would used to be their sort of bread and butter. Cups and, and and winning something in the cup, maybe going for that. They've all opted out of of doing of, of taking the cup competition seriously in favour of earning a few extra mil for getting a, another place or two in the Premier League. Obviously, the league is going to be our primary concern, and that's the one we all want to win. We really want to have a go at, but we're not just gonna we're not just gonna not show up in the cups, put it like that. So, you look at club's history, and he he's done that. He's we won the German Cup, what, three times? Twice or three times? He did the double once. He was in the Champions League final and the and the Pokal, the German Cup, that same year as well. So, I mean, he likes fighting on all fronts and he's got history of um, winning multiple competitions as well. So, so, yeah, I'd love to win the FA Cup. I mean, I'd love to win the league as well. So, we'll do the double and let's see. I'd take a league cup, to be honest with you, just to get him a cup on the board, you know what I mean? Because it, it, it takes any questions that may come along about him, you know, not winning and so on. It, 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 and it's the, you know, we said it last season, it was the earliest cup that he could have possibly won was the league cup. We came close to it and fell short of the last hurdle. But I think this season he could be better prepared for it. And also, as I say, it'll get those game players time or the the, the, the fringe players time on the pitch, which, which is invaluable in keeping the whole squad ticking if we do. Because we will in, invariably have injuries throughout the season. Listen, we've waffled on. I've gone over our time as usual, but who cares? So just, I'll go around the table to close here just with any plugs you may have and where we can find you on Twitter and so on because I always forget about shit like that. And ladies first, Carly, where can we find you? What are you doing? What do you want to plug? I'm not plugging anything at the minute, um, but you can follow me at Mrs. Iger 5 if you want to. Or if you don't, it's good as well. Or if you don't, um, yeah. <laughs> 
I don't blame you. <laughs> no, you've far too many followers. Don't be following her. Neil, <laughs> Neil Chief, what, what what have you got for us? Anything? Uh, this promised article, is it still like promised land stuff or is there any signs of it? Oh, it's still, um, still, still in the making. So it is. Um, the, the, you, the best things take time, Neil, I know. Uh, that's it, that's it. But you can follow me on Twitter if you like, uh, at Neil1980. You can find me on the Amphitheater Next Writers Pod. You can find me on Copcast on Cop Left. And yeah, that's about it. That's lovely. And Neil Devlin, anything you would like to plug? Any, I'm working to find you on Twitter. Uh, you can find me the usual uh, at Purple Man. I'm just gen- being generally offensive and not caring about much on there. So if you want to follow that, go for it. For me, I just want to, to plug WFI, Tactics Pod, Bodies in a Box, with a new EPL pod just being recorded yesterday. Um, the South American series is going on. There's lots of different pods coming out. Uh, we'll have a scouting pod with Dave Hendrick coming up in the next couple of weeks as well. And, you know, keep listening to us here. And also just give a shout out to the guys in the cop table who are in with us on Cop Left. Joy to, joy to work with these guys. Really good podcast. They do the preview pods. You can find them on our feed. Um, the two Peters always have great guests. I'll say the last one is just released there last night or released it. Really good podcast. I recommend you you listening to it. I'll say some really nice story from a Burnley fan there as well. And it sort of brings it into perspective how lucky we are supporting the club that we do. But listen, I just want to thank everybody on the panel for your time. As always, guys, it's a pleasure talking to you. I love doing this podcast and, and it's always great chatting to you. And just thank you to everybody who's listening. We are growing. We are Our, our downloads are growing. So thank you very, very much for that. And hopefully now we've got the football back and your weather's going to turn all shitty in Europe and you'll have plenty of time to listen to us. So hopefully you'll stay with us. So until the next time, and whoever it is that's here, we'll bid you farewell and good night. <laughs>